0: Let's do an introduction. Okay.
1: Sure. Hello, Jake.
0: Hey, We're how's it going, Tara?
1: Good, how are
0: you doing? It's nice to put a face to the voice in the, in the name, you know?
1: Yeah, well, we've been friends online for quite a while, right?
0: Yeah, a couple of years, I think. Um, I was just, you know, I'm very extrovert. First of all, let me say I'm Jake Morris, everybody. Um, I live out in Battlefield Township, which is about 45 minutes south of Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, I'm not from here. I'm from North Carolina originally. A lot of people can say, you you don't sound like you're a yinzer. I'm like, no, I'm not, man. You know, Uh, you're from Ohio, right?
1: I am. And actually not that far from Pittsburgh. I grew up um, in around, you probably would know the Kent area.
0: Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, My wife's uncle lives out there.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of my neck of the woods. It's sort of midway between Akron, Cleveland, and Youngstown. And of course, Youngstown really isn't that far from Pittsburgh, so. No, no, you're um, in the,
0: you're in the area. It's it's local. Yeah. That's what I consider local, so.
1: Yep, for sure, for sure. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so, why did you uh, move up there?
0: Okay, so here this is a good story to kick it off with. Um, so back in 2002, my, my senior year of high school, right? So I went to uh, Swansboro High School. Go Pirates! <laughs> <laughs> Really good soccer team, which soccer is almost non-existent here in Pittsburgh. It's football, baseball, hockey, Mm -hmm. that goes up here. Um, So uh, first of all, um, my dad is a retired Marine. He did 20 Mm -hmm. years in the Marine Corps. And we were stationed at uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So when he retired, we just kind of lived off base uh, so we can finish out high school there. And um, so what happened was, of course, I'm a musician. Uh, i play in three different bands and one secret project I'm working on right now. Uh, we'll talk more more about that later on. Mm-hmm. I'm very busy, like you are, music-wise and with your books and stuff. Um, I'm very much a Pisces. My creativity is just going like this, and I'm living that fantasy world a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so um, I played in this uh, heavy metal band, like a real sludgy type stuff, and it was called uh, Bar Slut, <laughs> believe it or not. Bar Slut. And the cool thing about playing in Bar Slut was when I was 15, 16, we went to this place called the Northwoods Teen Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, local bands, hardcore metal, all that stuff. And they were one of the bands and I loved it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is cool. And they needed a guitar player. And my buddy, my best friend, uh, Chris Grant is a bass player. He was like, dude, Jake, learn, learn the album and just kind of practice. So I did. And next thing you know, I'm in the band. Um, Cool we opened up for like machine head and like all kind of real big metal acts. And we were like the local support. Um, it was a great time. So anyway, um, at this time the band slipknot had come out and of course me being in my teenager years, I'm just like, Oh my God, what is these guys? Nine clowns on a stage. Holy crap. This is awesome. So, um, I had the internet and, uh, <laughs> Yahoo chat room, right? Yahoo chat room. That's how old I am, you know? And, um, uh, it was a Slipknot chat room, and my wife was in there, and we, she's an identical twin, so her, her twin, and my friend, and myself, we became friends in this chat room, so sort to of speak, um, so, you know, time went on about four or five months, and then I graduated high school, and we decided we're going to go on tour, right, so here I am, you know, 17, 18 years old,
1: that's fantastic,
0: about to go on tour, uh, we actually played a showcase for, um, A representative of Sharon Osborne, like she was trying to find like local talent for the Ozfest and all that kind of stuff. So here I am thinking, I'm oh my god, I'm gonna be opening for Ozzy, you know, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, I had here's the tragedy, here's the tragic part about it. I had a full scholarship to Duke University, full academic ride. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, I'm a brainiac. I. You know, I'm in love with mathematics and science. And oh
1: my god, that's awesome!
0: Yeah, I'm an engineer mathematician for for profession. So, wow. um, if you hear a little cat meowing, that's uh, his name is Mike.
1: Heard...
0: So, <laughs> little
1: but squeaker.
0: It, I I, uh, I was like, do I want to go to college or do I want to go be a rock star? Mm-hmm. And to that point, I mean, you know what it's like playing little clubs around, and at that point in time, if you're in a band you were the you were the shit man. you were like yeah. oh, crap, that, that dude plays in a band so here i am 17 18 years old getting everything thrown at me in the typical motley crude lifestyle mm-hmm. like i love this this is great i can do this the rest of my life so you know i made some bad decisions like we all do um and decided okay no school we're gonna rock on so we went on tour and after tour um my wife and her sister were about three or four hours away. So we drove up to meet to meet the girls or whatever. And uh, fell in love, love at first sight type thing. And uh, here I am. Aww. I just said, you know, F uh, North Carolina, it's time to get my shit together and go up somewhere. So yeah, in between there, I lived with my grandma for a while. And um, I would come up on the weekends, like four hour drive to see her. So that's kind of how we met. And that's that whole dynamic. But to conclude the story about the uh, scholarship issue the band issue played all these crazy shows uh, the band seven dust was coming to town and they were doing a contest for local openers of course we played it uh we, we didn't win you know we were a little bit more on the extreme side which is okay um then like a week or so later our drummer and our singer got into it mm. no over what drummer said fuck you i'm dipping out singer said fuck you i'm dipping out So we have two guitar players and a bass player just going like, okay, man, you know, you get to the top really quick and you fall down faster. Um, so that's how that ended. Now I have no regrets about that. Some of the best times in my life. I'm still friends with all my, all my old bandmates. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's that whole story. That kind of ties in, uh, my background with, uh, how I got up here. Right. Mm So I got up here in 2003, uh, my wife's parents were kind enough to let me stay there till I got on my feet. Um, I didn't go to college right away. That was my intention. But, you know, I needed to make money. I needed to kind of like stand on my feet. And I'm glad I did that. I had got all my partying shit out of the way back in high school. So I was like, it's time to get to business here. So I went to school and um, I started out, even though you know, I'm a math guy, basic math, two plus two, three plus three. Just because I told myself, I want to start from the beginning, mm-hmm. work my way up sequentially until I get to, you know, whatever finite mathematical course I, I was able to get to. Um, and, you know, it, it was it was uh, I don't want to say heartbreaking or, or crazy, but it, it was eye opening that I was with other adults in that class who legitimately were having trouble understanding the material. I mean, we're talking basic, basic math. Right.
1: Well, that would have been I me.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am not a math person. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I definitely don't look the part, and people don't really—they would never guess that. But yeah, just a unique type person, I guess. That's awesome, though. Um, so I volunteered my time to help to help people in the class. You know, just a real patient guy. I love teaching. I tutored in college, and um,
1: that's fantastic.
0: Experiences to kind of help these these individuals. Worked my way up, and I—I I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. You know that expression? You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Oh, I know what it was. I was just kind of doing the college status quo stuff. Um, ended up getting a job working for an insurance company. And uh, one of our friends was an insurance agent. And she was like, hey, I need someone to make phone calls and do paperwork and stuff. So I was doing that, going to school, tutoring. I was like, okay. And I dealt with a lot of, uh, I would say, semi-cold calling people. Mm. These questionnaires in the mail and they fill them out and send them back in. And uh, we'd call them and, you know, I've been motherfucked, all this shit all up and down. Like maybe one out of 15 people knew what the hell I was even calling about. And I was like, man, this ain't for me. I, I need to go back and, and find what I want to find. So being a math person, I was like, well, what kind of careers am I looking at math-wise? Am I going to be a weatherman, a teacher, like what? And then the world of engineering came came in my radar. It's like, oh, so engineering is just mathematics, it's practical science. Um, I have friends who went down the theory route, super brainiac, super think tank people. But as Piscean as I am, and as, as often as I'm in that fantasy world, when it comes to numbers, I'm very direct with it. So I, I was like, you know what? Mathematics is great and all this theory, but like, how do we, how do we use it? What do we do with all this stuff? Mm-hmm. That's engineering comes into play. So I went to school for computer engineering technology, which is a little bit different than a computer engineer. Uh, hats off to the, the full computer engineers out there. The brilliant people. Uh, my job is more or less to say, okay, Mr. Computer Engineer, you've come up with this really awesome algorithm or this new circuit board. Let me take this and solve a problem with it. It's The practical application of all the theory. Yeah. So, yep, went to school, got graduated. I work for a US deal now. Um, one of their engineers right on yeah so that's that's pretty much like my background stuff as far as the the vanilla stuff goes um but yeah so that's i guess we'll start off with that
1: so that's really interesting so mike is a cartographer that's his day job
0: oh wow yeah I'll, what he did okay
1: so he makes maps and i won't give too much detail just because for his privacy but He works with engineers, so he, they'll put in requests for maps for X, Y, Z. And so he works with a lot of, he works with engineers all day long. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously I know engineers do a huge array of things, but, um, yeah. So he, he works very closely with engineers and he always talks about very smart, not always social skills.
0: Yes, and that is <laughs> that, that's kind of where I like stick out, like I stick but in, in that regard. I'm, I'm yeah, very,
1: I think he'd like to work with you, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. i super talkative. I, I try to, to keep a good positive approach. Um and people know that. So like I work with some of the smartest people, if not the smartest people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. My, I work with an excellent team. Um, but you know, those guys fit the stereotype status quo of, of engineer that and there's nothing wrong with that no, of course not. then you have me mr throat tattoo neck tattooed all over and i'm i'm with him but i'm very outgoing too so some people yeah. are like, Who, who's this dude like what the hell is this guy doing here
1: so do you get a lot of people um not expecting you to be as smart as you are
0: yeah, yeah you know um that happens you know i People's perception of other people based on their physical appearances—right, ninety-nine um, percent of the time aren't aren't good. Uh, but yeah, so people, you know, they're like, "Damn, Jake, I would never guess that you were." You know, I knew you were like into hardcore and metal and music. That's totally, I can see that. But like engineering and math, I said, "Yeah, man." Like, like I said, as as much right brain as I am with the creativity, the left side's keeping up pretty good. I like to meld them both. I like to be creative with solutions that I yeah.
1: Well, in a sense, I feel like math is creative. I mean, I mean, we use math to create. So, I mean, even with drum programming and things like that, Mike uses algebra all the time to figure out programming. So, oh
0: yeah, oh percent, hundred percent. Yeah, so that's 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 you know. That's kind of how that all goes. And you know with me being as like I said, as, as extroverted or whatnot, I'm always the guy that give the plant tours and do presentations.. Um,
1: right
0: on. I'm a, so US still has facilities all over the country. I work in the Mon Valley. Mm-hmm. And I am one of two site leads for we have a, a resource group called Steel Pride. And what we do, it's a professional organization that works on inclusion for the LGBTQ+ plus community. And you know we go march in the Pittsburgh Pride. Oh, it's so it's so amazing. It's such a, a an eye-opening experience. Um, yeah, so I, I do that, which is is kind of the administrations are like, man, we got a, like a we got an engineer guy involved in this. This is really cool, you know, um, because most people not that they won't do it, it's just not kind of thing, you know.
1: Yeah. If it doesn't affect them, they don't really pay a lot of attention.
0: Sure. I have no problem putting on putting on my, you know, straight against hate stuff or like dad hug I
1: love that.
0: And going out there and doing it because you know what? Love is love. You love whoever the hell you want to do. You know what I mean? Aww. And 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 the fact that <clears throat> people are against that. You know, I mean we're not gonna go and all that kind of but you know what I'm talking. Sure. I do. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's they're, they're human beings, man.
1: I love what you said about the dad hugs too. Um, that always touches me when you see that the parents, you know, out there saying, I'm here for you. And I feel like that, I, I think what a sad thing to have to go through, you know, hiding, have a lot of people have to hide that part of themselves and then to get such a negative response. And, um, what an awful thing to have to go through and so it's it's wonderful for people who like it doesn't really impact in their daily life if you're a straight person you don't really have to think a whole lot about that so showing that support to people who do live that every single day and especially like teenagers you know i feel like things have gotten much better
0: oh yeah oh yeah
1: but it's still you know There's a lot lot of of work left still kill themselves over this, you know, and what a sad situation.
0: I, you know, I, as, as upbeat and extroverted as I am, you know, I, like many people do, I have mental health issues. I suffer with all, all kinds of stuff. I take more medications than a horse would take, you know, that's beside the fact, but I can understand that depth, that darkness, that hopelessness, that some of these individuals. Yeah. And one thing I'll never forget was uh, the first pride I went to. The first Pittsburgh Pride was 2019. It was before all this COVID shit. Um, we were marching down, and I was talking to you know a group of uh, group of lesbians who were you know just passing out stuff and just being all happy. And um, we were talking, you know, me, I was, hey, what's going on? Oh, I love that shirt. What's happening, man? You know, and uh, we got to talking, and they were like, yeah. So I came out to my mom and dad when I was like 17. And they told me to pack my shit and leave. And I have not talked. Oh.
1: To them
0: I said, You have got, I said, What? She's like, They completely cut me off from everything. I, they disowned me just because I was attracted to other women.
1: That's just sickening to me.
0: It is. And I had like this knot in my stomach, just form. And I felt not like I just, I was like, All right, come here, hug time. You know, um, because I'm a dad, uh, my son, he's four, Mr. Finn. Uh, he is my most favorite human in the whole universe. Oh, yeah. so, should he grow up to be, you know, a part of the community? I'm gonna support him five million percent. Of I course, ever do that because he happens to love someone that's not as common as you know. Right. Not, yeah. Who cares? So I
1: really, I don't get it. I don't get why people get so bad out of shape about this.
0: I, that's that's what I mean. Like. This is the way, this is the way I feel when people are like, Jake, are you left wing? Are you, you right wing? I'm like, no, dude, we're not getting into that. That I want a gay couple to be able to stop by the pot store and go get some guns on their way to the chapel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No ifs, ands, ands, and buts. Let them do what the fuck they want to do.
1: It's really nobody's business what people do in their own homes. If you're not hurting anybody else, why do you care? Like,
0: hey, hey, yeah.
1: I've seen like, I've seen like memes and stuff that said, you know, so if you're against gay marriage, then don't get married to a gay person. Like you don't have to, no one's asking you. So like, here's here's the, none of your here's business. A,
0: here's the thing that a lot of these, you know, negative people don't understand whether you're straight or gay, you get married. Marriage is marriage, man. It's fucking hard. It takes work. Yeah. And you know what? they could, they're going to go through the same stuff that we do. So, you know what, I know a lot of people in this world who are, you know, who are straight or just whatever, and they have a lot of dark secrets and they've done a lot of really bad things in their lives too. It's not a good out of jail free card. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, so tying it back in, um, part of the ERG group for you is still for that. Um, yeah, that's, you know, I, that, it gives me an opportunity to, to take that love of mathematics and science and tie it into my, crea- my creativity. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of what I do professionally. I also, uh, there's a program we just started called um, Project Homework Help. Uh, U.S. still asked for volunteers to help um, help em- our employees help students in the Clareton School District with their homework. And they needed that's some math awesome. programming skills. So um, I volunteer for that. So we meet via Zoom meetings and um, we go through their little programs and whatever, and we just kind of help them out. Oh so, my
1: God, that's awesome.
0: So I really try and stay well-rounded at work as far as, okay, getting business done and then being part of the ERG groups and and volunteering just to kind of, just to kind of keep a good balance there.
1: That's awesome. I wish, you know, I'm, I, I just wish more people, A, did things like this and that more people had access to programs like that. Like there's so many kids that get kind of left behind, not to use a coin of phrase, but
0: no, no, I, I get you it. Know, no, they, they seriously could use fall Somebody like that.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's teachers have so much on their shoulders. They can only do so much. And if parents really don't care, then the kids has to speak for himself and they don't know. So it's, um, I think it's fantastic that you, your company has that
0: program. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it, 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 again, just like being a part of Steel Pride, it's such an eye-opening experience to see that, you know, these kids are, are really struggling and they don't have any of the resources to really kind of help them.
1: Right.
0: COVID, a lot of the virtual schools, I don't know how it is out there, but here um, and um it's, it's parents' choice now, if you want to, you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah, same here. There are advantages to distance learning and virtual, mm-hmm. school, and there's disadvantages to that.
1: Totally agree. Yeah. And
0: I think some of the disadvantages, which it's just a byproduct of, of dealing with this is the lack of individual attention or mm-hmm. that whole, you know, okay, John, stay after class for 15 minutes, come to the desk and we'll work through this problem. Like, right. like that kind of thing. Yes. So, yeah, that's what I do. So uh, I guess now comes the fun part, right? Music. That is my,
1: <laughs>
0: that is my life. That's your life as well.
1: Yes
0: wanted to say it's you know it's a huge honor to have just a regular joe talk to you i've been a fan of you guys since i discovered you i found i found my see you a little bit later in life but uh at least i was old enough and mature enough to to really tear the layers down and really appreciate it so yeah so it's awesome so i'm you know i'm a fan of you and it's awesome to just to talk face to face you know
1: well i i'm just a regular joe too so i <laughs> mean you know thank you oh
0: absolutely absolutely.
1: i i it's because i know that you are a metal person i assume maybe through typo negative that's how you found out about lycia so
0: so typo negative is probably in my top three favorite bands of all time of all time um I discovered them, and that's how you came on my radar. And I know you probably get that a lot, but I wasn't going to go there because you know I I understand that's how. But that's okay; it's a good thing, right? It's
1: Um, a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, Actually, I uh, I got one of their shirts in the mail the other day, the type of negative Christian woman one. Uh, I don't know if it was a reprint or not. Probably not. It it was pretty expensive. I don't care because I love the band. (laughs) But um, so anyway, 1996. my buddies turned me on to Pantera, they turned me on to Corn, they turned me on to all kind of death metal, and then Typo Negative. They're like, "Oh man, this this guy's voice is so deep and it's like it's slow and heavy and it's like, oh crazy stuff." So I checked it out and of course I fell immediately in love. Um, and they've been one of the one of the few bands. And when when I, when I say my favorite band of you know top three, I love a lot of bands, but this. They literally, I listen to them at least, if not every day, every other day. Some song mm-hmm. and some, and I love every single album of theirs. I think they are a different expression of the band and the message they're trying to convey. Because some people are like, oh, I only like uh, Bloody Kisses or October. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dude, that's just like taking one bite of the pizza, man. Like, come on. You know, there's so much more to them. Yeah. Um, My favorite songs are the ones I've never been on radio and all that kind of stuff because I'm just really into it. Same with like Tool, that's another band that I've really dissected, the, just the whole package. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what, what's one thing that I kick myself in the ass over is one of those moments where like, you can go back in time and turn the dial. The last tour that they did, they came to Pittsburgh. Um, it was short before Peter's passing. And I wanted to go, I had plans to go, but something came up and I didn't go. So my only opportunity to have, have seen them. But, um, but yeah, so they're in my top, my number one favorite band, I tell everyone, is heavy band, Masuga. Um, Super ultra heavy band, but they have a lot of mathematical aspects to it, like the crazy timing and all that stuff. Yeah. But, um, I love all music. I actually, even though I play metal now as I'm 37 year old, I listen to like rap and trap, mm-hmm. and melodic, electronic stuff. It's such a different pace and a different dynamic than just the crazy heavy shit all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's an artist out there called Darcy, D A R C I. Uh, probably my favorite artist right now. It's still like, um, I guess the style's called like Dark Side or whatever, but it's like a mm. little bit of rap, but it's all sung with a very cathartic, mellow, melancholy beat behind it. Um, mm. I'll send you a link, you know, sometime you can check it out. Yeah. That. Um, I can actually, I can play banjo. Um, My dad's family's from Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And they've all been playing bluegrass since God knows when, right? And every Tuesday night, they have what they call the music. That was, everyone in in the family would go down to, uh, I forget his name, what uncle it was. He had like this garage cover and a big pile of dirt and they would play. And we would all go down there. My grandma would make cakes and all kind of stuff. And they'd legit have shine and all that kind of crazy stuff.
1: That's awesome.
0: Oh yeah. It, you know, and they're like, dude, you listen to that? I'm like, dude, bluegrass is I the, love
1: bluegrass music.
0: It's the death metal of country.
1: <laughs> it's it's the I mean, it's I mean, I don't like I I don't know enough about it to like be any kind of authority on the topic but i know i like the really old old sounding like it's just there's something creepy and witchy about it
0: very much so and that's the topic we'll get to here very shortly um there you got to think like so my family came over in the 1600s um this is on my dad's side um from scotland Mm-hmm. And there was a conflict in Scotland called the War of the Jacobites. I can't remember exactly what's going on, but I think it was your typical English for Scottish. You know, you right. know, that's right. Well, he was um, wounded and captured by the English. And at this point in time, instead of going to jail or getting executed or whatever, they, were, they needed people to work in the New World. So he became an indentured servant. And after his Ooh. seven years, the king granted him 30. 300 or 30 acres or something like just a ridiculous amount of land to to develop and tend so that's how he came over here and I forget if he was a blacksmith or a cobbler he was skilled labor so he was very very valuable yeah so came over here and that's how my family got got started um in that's the cool. area in the mountains and yeah mountain people really that's what they see. Are. my
1: family's all from West Virginia oh what part so same thing uh Buckhannon trying to think of a... upshire county french creek
0: is it okay so we're in reference to morgantown or like wheeling is it
1: it's it's we used to drive through morgantown to get there so it's mm, uh, i'm horrible at geography but no, it's, probably it's a couple it's, hours south. it's a little yeah it's a little south from there it's not too far but it's okay a little south from there
0: yeah so you're familiar with the mountains and
1: oh it's beautiful
0: they are oh it's absolutely breathtaking so yeah so my um when my, you know, my parents didn't end up divorcing. Um, and when all that was happening, I went and stayed with my grandma for a whole summer. And she was like, you're going to get a job and we're going to keep you busy. So you're going to go down here. And I, I bought you some banjo lessons. I was like, all oh, right.
1: Cool. I
0: only wanted to play death metal and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, here we go. And then I show up and my world gets blown away. You know, they're just, they're shredding on this damn thing. I'm like, banjo's
1: what? hard. Yeah.
0: Oh my God, you know, as a, I'd say, you know, I'm an experienced guitar player, 20 plus years. You know, I'm not, you know, amazing or anything, but I do understand the complexity it takes, the, the finger dexterity, yeah, brain processing, and it just, it just blows, it blew me away. Um, so I did it for a whole summer. I loved it. I always have a banjo around. I don't play it that often, but uh, I'm actually going to incorporate it into one of my bands I have heart, which is the most, it's like gothic metal type stuff, mm-hmm. type of negative influence, very type of negative influence. But I also am very into folk music, international folk music. You know, I, I see folk music as like bluegrass. That's my roots. That's my folk music. Scandinavian folk music, all this stuff. And because the banjo is a part of my family history, I kind of want to inject some of that into the music. Um, I got to write it still it's tuned to open G and I got to sit there and figure all that stuff out. But, um, I want to put, even if it's just like for a bridge or a melody, I want to put it in there.
1: So let me tell you, I did a side project with Timothy Renner from stone breath. Okay. Okay. He he does the strange familiars podcast. Okay. You've probably seen me post about him.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he and I have been friends for decades now. I don't even know. But um, we did a project together called Black Happy Day that was sort of like a, an ambient bluegrass, folky, weird project. Okay, so that sounds it,
0: awesome. It, it,
1: I, it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, so if you, if you like folk music and stuff, and that's like, he's a folklorist.
0: Ooh. And
1: he does, he plays every kind of stringed instrument but he loves banjo so he plays a lot of banjo so you should totally look up stone breath and like his band camp he's got like a million things and the black happy day release is also on there so you can like whatever yeah we did because again i'm from west virginia he's in pennsylvania and you know that was part of both of our kind of heritage so Oh, yeah. yeah, I th- so you're telling me all this stuff and I'm just like, it's right up my alley. Like I love all that. I grew oh, up yeah. my, you know, when I was little, um, my parents would we would go to the bluegrass festival, you know, like, uh, the they would have bluegrass bands come into town, and play town hall. And so we would go there on like Friday nights or whatever and listen to bluegrass and like Southern gospel. And so that's like all the stuff I grew up listening to. And like, I didn't, we didn't listen to rock music. Like I was telling my guests last week, I'm like, I still, to this day, I'll hear Led Zeppelin songs like that. I've never heard before. Because we <laughs> didn't, I, that's not what I was exposed to as a kid. You know, we didn't listen to the Beatles or so I'm like, I don't know anything about rock music from back then, but I can sing me some country, Western and yeah, Southern man. gospel and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, That's some of the
0: most heartfelt music I've ever heard in my life.
1: Yeah, I mean it's iffy. There's crap in there too. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, but I I love that. And see, that's what you were saying about as you've gotten older, you've gotten more well-rounded. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, for sure. You get to the heart of music and you can tell like a legit artist over the garbage. You know what I mean? And it can it's it's the heart of the music that really counts. So, you know. I think that, I think that as we get older, most people tend to get more open-minded usually. And cause when you're young, you like you, I have to identify as a goth or a metal person or a rapper or whatever.
0: Hardcore like, as guy, skater yeah. guy. Yeah.
1: And punk. as you get older, you're like, well, yeah, but I like all this other stuff too, that I wouldn't let myself listen to before, you know? So oh, sure. it's kind of interesting.
0: It's just like um, I attribute it to reading literature, reading different books. Right. With Dr. Seuss, work way up to Tolstoy and, and you know classic literature. Right. It's like it's with like music too. I go back and listen to these these albums that I, um, that I shunned or hated or would never listen to before, and I'm peeling these layers back, like I mentioned earlier, and you really you're like, wow, okay, I definitely was not mature enough to really understand everything that's going on. Right. Uh, Tool is an example of one of those bands. When they first came out, I just wanted to hear the heavy songs. You know, I don't want to know nine minutes, so I want to hear just the quick heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah. And as I get older, I go back and listen to it, and every single time, every single time, I hear something different. And I'm thinking bands like that, even myself, um, those subtle injections they put in their music to me—that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, whatever, but it's everything that kind of happens around it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: really is what kind of brings me to it. That's why I like you guys so much is you guys have all this stuff going around. You got the main thing going on, but there's all kind of elements in there. And yeah, listen to it. You connect to a different, one of those elements.
1: Yeah. And see, I feel like that's kind of where math comes into this because I feel like, I feel like in a way m- music is very mathematical. Oh yeah. And it, it's creative to me. So like, like you were saying like right brain, right brain, left brain. But to me, math is kind of both really, you know,
0: You know, I never really thought about like, thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. Uh, Yeah, Even
1: if you think about like quantum physics or, you know, alternate dimensions, it's all mathematical, but it's also creative at the same time. So and like, exactly. you, put, you put together music like an equation, everything has its timing and its place and there's math involved in that. So I, yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's really interesting.
0: I like to use it now. I'm also really into poetry. I'm kind of, I really am like- uh, A, a re- jack
1: of all trades.
0: <laughs> What's that?
1: <laughs> a jack of all trades, kind of. Math a renaissance That's man. Right.
0: Yeah, the renaissance man, really. So I write a lot of poetry. To me, lyrics and poetry are the same thing. It's sure, just of course. In a different format. Yeah. So I like to use the analogy, um, you know, you've heard, everyone's heard the cliche mathematics is the, un- the language of the universe. Yeah. What the universe speaks, right? So look at poetry, no matter what language it is, it's a carefully selected amalgamation of words meant to convey a certain message. Right. Mathematics is the same way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, and see, I feel the same thing about like religion. Like people try to make you either you believe in science or you believe in religion. To me, they're the exact same thing. Like religion is sort of the poetic version of the science. Like science is this this the this sort of mathematical side of creation, whatever. Tang-
0: it's tangible.
1: Yes, and like religion is sort of the poetic. Like the storyteller but it's the exact same thing to me like I don't see any like a lot of people think one negates the other or whatever to me they're exactly the same thing one is just the science of it and this is the ethereal kind of poetry of it you know what I mean like to me they're the exact same thing they don't they don't counteract each other
0: so here's an interesting fact mathematical fact so we can prove using theory and proofs that there are actually seven dimensions. That's that's how we, we have the math for that. There are seven dimensions, right? We can prove it using all this complex theories. We can only conceptualize truly the third dimension. We live in 3D. Mm-hmm. Fuck is the fourth, sixth, sixth, and seventh one. You know what I mean? Right. My theory is, so I'm, I'm a very, very, very spiritual person, but I'm not, you know, I'm not Christian. Um, I don't even... Labeling myself, I right. future based. I just, I'm a very appreciative of the gifts that we have on this planet. Put it that way. That's why I like to, to put that as. Yeah. Um, but I also embrace science and technology very much so. And I know some people in a similar type, you know, of belief system that you know, it, they, it's kind of like you what, what you said is either all science or science. Right. Or it's That's all. Whatever. And I I like to say you know being analytical. And creative and introspective. I like to say that science is just—it's taking what's in nature and it, it's just adding a structured way to analyze what's right. going in our world. Right. Medicines, everything that we have, as far as we know, comes from this planet. It's coming from the earth. What's a computer's made of? Plastic, right? What's plastic? Silicon, sand. Right. Silicon and sand, minerals of the earth.
1: Right. Right. Like completely agree
0: with you. So that is how, that's how I, you know, view that, Um, you know, so I'm really into herbalism and and plants and whatnot. So I, I guess what, I guess if I had to label myself, people would say like green witchcraft, but I don't like that word witchcraft. I never did. All that means to me, um, some will disagree is just taking your inner willpower and trying to manipulate what's around you for whatever goal you want you want to do when you say hey tara i hope you have a really good day today i man, i just i hope you do so much i'm taking those three seconds of my energy and my time in this realm and putting it towards you hey i hope you have an awesome day yeah it's mad that's magic man that's that's what it is
1: i agree with you completely and like i feel the same thing about prayer like you know a lot of people don't believe in prayer whatever and you don't have to, that's fine. No. But it's the same kind of thing. Like you're, you're focusing intention, I guess, towards something. And so it's the same thing with meditation. Um, any, anything like that, it, it is magic, you know? So I think, I think people get caught up in having, to, again, having to label things yes. and like, And, and, and having to define everything when you can just be like, you don't have to have an answer for everything. You don't have to have a how to, a why, uh, you know, whatever. I I think people get so caught up in the details of things. They often miss the point of it, you know, following Uh, the set of rules that they, that if they just allowed themselves to exist they would probably be following these rules anyway. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, yeah. And, and what you said, I I really like what you said about you don't have to have an answer. You just be. Right. That's all we really have control over is ourselves. You know, the hand that we're dealt is, hey, we're given life on this earth. What do you do with it?
1: Right. Agreed.
0: You know? It, that, yeah. That, but yeah, you know, I, I'm not a fan of labels because people, you know, of course I have know i got the element tattooed on my hands and i got you know this is a tattoo of gaia which is getting Mm -hmm. like i have and put it this way the way i see like the deities and the energies yeah there's definitely a a, i call it like the fifth element to it but it's a manifestation or personification of what's in here and what's in here you know that's how i see see that now again back to the dimension things that fourth fifth sixth and seventh could be the spirit world it could be who knows time travel, who knows, but um, the personification of of what's in our mind, you attribute it to this character, this figure, so it makes it easier to refer to, to connect with, Um, but again, there's still that little element of stuff that science, science cannot explain, right, our souls understand, right, and not everyone can convey that understanding, you know,
1: I, I, yeah, I think too, a lot of times like people are so hung up on needing everything defined and it's not just about religion or anything. It's about what kind of music do you like? What kind? I mean, everything has to be defined. What genre do you fall into? What, what club do you belong with? You know? And it's like, people get so hung up on all of that, that they just don't allow themselves to be and exist. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how, aware you are of like the whole goth scene or whatever but there's all this there, people are constantly like nitpicking it what's the scene what is it which bands fit in the scene what how do you have to dress how do you have to act blah 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 blah, blah. and it's like how about you just like what you like and not care like <laughs> you
0: know I, I i'm not as I, I i don't know about the goth scene you right know? um but from, i'm sure
1: it happens at the metal scene too oh
0: Oh, my God. But as far as, I, I have friends, who, and they're like, man, it, everyone is so, like, analytical and critical, and, like, you have to have this eclectic subgenre, and you can only dress a certain way here. <laughs> right. I'm like, wow, man. And same thing with, with Exhausting. metal. Exhausting. Yeah, the metal world, it, it, you know, you have the metal world, then you have the hardcore world. Um, now, in 2021, they're kind of like this. but ten. Years, I love that. Yeah, they weren't um for a good a good while there was no mixed genre shows it was either straight death metal or straight core and i'm like why why does it got to be that way guys well so- yeah
1: i mean that's one of the reasons why we had such a hard time on that typo tour because peter was doing that back in the 90s he wanted to mix different types of bands together and fans were not having it
0: oh yeah Car- <laughs> carnivore uh you know, you got carnivore, the beetles, and then, you know, the goth stuff, like that's type of negative, man. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they put all that shit in a crock pot and did it right. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. And even, I mean, just, you know, I think it's really healthy now. I think that people are less hung up on having to like be in a certain box. Um, and I think that's healthy. Like it's normal to me. You know,
0: what I think the true catalyst of that, of that bringing together, as far as their genre goes, and you live during the nineties, nineties, hip hop nineties, rap, I'm in middle school. I'm in high school. What are we listening to? What do we hear on the radio? We hear Tupac, we hear Biggie, Mm -hmm. we hear Oz, we hear all this stuff as a kid. So we grow up not thinking it's some kind of extreme genre or what the heck is going on. It's a part of our lives.
1: Right. It's pop music
0: yes at the same time i'm listening to all you know the death metal and the heavy stuff and the rap and what's crazy is the guys on the other side of the fence the rap man they love this shit they don't give a crap what you do they're like damn dude that shit's crazy man how you do that come over here and we started out and where they're at now is mixed genre that's my favorite type to go to Mm -hmm. up in erie three four or five years ago the opening act a local rapper and i love that Awesome, it was awesome. So you have a local rap guy, and you got like in the local metal bands and the hardcore bands. Um, and what's crazy is the whole principle of hardcore. The basis of hardcore is that unity together. Yeah. The same people in that scene divided it.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so but it's coming back together, and it's I'm sure it's like that in any genre. Um, the hardcore world is what I know the most because I've been been in it for twenty years. Yeah. like like the goth stuff. I'm sure you guys have, you know, that going on. Um, Even the rap guys. I mean, of course you hear about the beefs and stuff. It it, it doesn't matter. But 90s, I think was that catalyst of of, it's okay to like all these other types. It's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you have uh, the new metal phase that come out that everyone shits on all the time that I will defend until my dying day. So if anyone wants to throw hands over some new metal, I'll give you my phone number, man. We'll, we'll have a conversation about it. And the reason why I say that is you got to think. when it, Again, when it came out, it was like 99, 2000. I'm in eighth, ninth grade. It's the new thing. It's energetic. It's taking all the stuff we listened to the 90s, mixing it with all the heavy stuff we're listening to in the 2000s. It's fucking awesome. And opened up so many doors for me. So that was one. I think that's kind of a stepping stone in music, at least on the heavier side. That oh, Look, at Rage Against the Machine it's okay to like them, but you can't like new metal, dude, come on. It's, you know what I mean? It's in that same category, blending the hip hop, the rap with the rock and metal.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's, uh, it's crazy how it's evolved. And I honestly, as tragic and sad that, uh, you know, the pandemic and COVID is, I think a lot, it has taught people a lot of very valuable lessons.
1: Mm -hmm, For sure.
0: I think that we've all taken for granted many, many things. And when you're you spend as much time with yourself now that you have to, you start thinking about this stuff and maybe you're open to new ideas. So I see that a lot. Um, and you know, shows are starting to come back. There's tours mm-hmm. starting to be booked and all that kind of thing. And hopefully they uh, you know, for the professional band's sake, they can do that. Cause I know it's it's very challenging for those, you know, who do this yeah. right now. I, I, I couldn't imagine it. But um, but yeah, and you know what? I'll be the first person to get tickets to a rap show. Um, Sir Phil Collins and Genesis is coming December 13th. You bet your ass I'm going to be there. You know, I I grew up as a kid listening to Genesis through my dad. My dad was, you know, classic rock was his thing. He was a drummer. He was really into Grand Funk Railroad, Led Zeppelin, all Boston, all all like the classics. And um, Genesis, he's like, he's a drummer. He was a drummer in high school. He's like, you got to listen to drums here, man. And I was like, all right, what am I listening to? Again, I'm like eight or nine now at 37 i listen to that shit i'm like holy crap there's right. something going on right but yeah so it's you know I, I i think it's more accepted to embrace your diversity and your um eclectic tastes and I, I it's
1: think it's weird or not to
0: that's <laughs> what i mean yeah it's like you listen to punk fuck you no, yeah right man now it's like you listen to punk oh yeah what's your favorite band i listen to this hip-hop band or this emo band check them yeah. out okay cool um yeah I'll tell you this though, one thing I miss so much, and I think you might too, is uh, physical media, handing out, yeah. de- you know, I-, I mean, granted the digital and the virtual world, it makes things a lot easier, I use it a lot, Spotify, whatever, because you can just plug in your phone and go, but at the same time, being the creative guy and growing up in the music scene, I like to have that artwork, I like to read the lyrics, the pictures of the band playing live, because those are my idols, man. Those are the, I didn't want to be a superhero. I don't want to be Spider-Man. I don't want to be the Hulk. I wanted to be Dimebag Daryl. You know what I mean? I wanted, to, yeah. I wanted to be Kenny and fucking Typo, dude. Like I wanted to be all all this stuff, you know? Um, those are my heroes. And seeing the artwork and the lyrics and all that, it was kind of a, it was very inspirational to me. And I think we've lost that. Now, granted, it's starting to come back again, especially when- Yeah, Marvel
1: for sure. It really and is. And all that, Yeah. Yeah,
0: they're big in the hardcore scene. I don't know if they are, you know, in the goth world now.
1: They're sort of genre, like they're sort of like a niche kind of thing. I think there's people that love to collect that stuff, but oh, I don't yeah. know that it's like uh, a viable, you know. I don't, I don't know that people sit around listening to cassettes, but I think that they want them because they're sort of like a collector's thing, you know. Sure, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's maybe pretty, they do. Uh, I don't know
0: it's putting a, a tangible element to music you know? yeah music's an auditory experience you can't you can't well <laughs> if people eat enough mushrooms you can think you can grab music and hold on to it and all that yeah it's not and that physical media ties in the cerebral response and the physical response into one yeah. and i miss it so on every project that i've done i always try to have some kind of physical release just for that mm-hmm. same thing. got somebody out there even if it's just a burn disc Somebody out there has that, and they appreciate just that little one dollar CDR that you have that has your stuff on it, and they pop it in and jam it, or an actual CD with pictures of yourself and artwork and your thank. Yeah. I love writing thank yous, and, and and I love it. I should just say I thank every motherfucker in the whole world who ever inspired me, but you, you know it's that, that's so ambiguous. Um, but yeah, so it, it's starting to come back now. I don't own a vinyl player, but that's uh that's on uh, maybe my next bonus at work or something. I'll, I'll pick one up. So yeah. I'm a good one. I don't want some little Joe Schmo one. Yeah, I want, I want a good, like, you know, a good setup. So.
1: Yeah. It's funny because we had this really horrible record player. It was like dirt cheap. We bought because we, <laughs> we had an album that came out and we didn't have any way of listening to it. So we bought this shitty, shitty record player and We're like, I don't know why people like listening to records. They're so noisy, blah, 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 blah. And then we went to um, our friend Soft Kill. They were in town and we went to see them. Love that
0: band. Love They're that.
1: Fantastic. Band. Yeah. So they gave Dirk a bunch of records.
0: Oh, that's and cool. And
1: so the next day we were going to listen to him and our record player broke. So we bought a new record player and we actually spent some money on it and got like okay. a good record player. Sure. And then we were like, okay, I get it now. Like it's so fun to sit there and put the record on and look at the art. And, you know, like you said, like, I mean, being, especially being a teenager and like I was a big Cure fan, just listening to Robert's voice and reading his lyrics and just, you know, was this whole experience. And so- That's what it was. And I, I feel like vinyl has brought that back for a lot of people. And like the records themselves look so beautiful. You know, there's so, like, it's another it's another form of expression that the band can come up with to like make this piece of art, you know? And like, they're so beautiful. Oh yeah. And it's just such a fun thing to like, hold this record, you know? So,
0: it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, the, having the, the physical media, it, it ties in all the different elements of art. You have the music art, you have the lyrics and poetry art, you have the actual- right art of of that altogether uh back in middle school um i made uh like 10 bucks a week just uh cutting grass and doing my tours um cds were like 20 dollars back then Mm -hmm. and my best friends and i we'd all go to the record store at the same time the sound shop in jacksonville mall i'll never forget it we'd go there and you know how we picked out these albums if we didn't read them in metal maniacs for some z the artwork oh
1: yeah for sure
0: nick i'll buy this one you get that one and you get that one and we get it and i'd say about nine times out of ten they were all bangers sometimes you get a dud you know had really work it just wasn't it and that's how we got introduced to so many bands the band uh deicide the album once upon a cross we're like holy shit what is going on here i'm gonna buy it today one of my favorite albums cannibal corpse all the crazy typo negative it's making out oh my god Holy crap! I mean, you're you're a teenager, hormones. Like, holy shit! That's on a CD cover. I want it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that that makes more of a, a return, especially if like my son, he's only four, and I I at least want to bestow upon him the appreciation of that. So we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I feel you know. I think that I think that it has. I think I think we're all collectors by nature. Oh yeah. And so whether you're collecting, um, you know, whatever, knickknacks, or I, cl- I seem to be collecting tights lately. Um <laughs> I just bought three more pair today. But anyway, uh Hey, you
0: got to get them, man. You got to <laughs> <you gotta> do what you got to do.
1: It's ridiculous, though. But, you know, I feel like records are just, I think, I think it is coming back for sure. I think for a while, and I have this mentality of like, well, it's nice not to have to to carry all these CDs around and you can just listen to it at the time, like on an iPad or whatever and not have to carry around like all these CDs and have like a big, huge shelf in your house. And it's all just right here on this little thing, but it is true. Like you miss that sort of feeling the feeling a record and feeling the artwork and flipping through the pages and reading the credits and, all that stuff, you know, you do you miss out on that when you don't have physical product.
0: Well, it's coming back and I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> which um congratulations on your upcoming album.
1: Yeah, super so, First of all, that Ionian record is so effing beautiful. The the vinyl itself, like I that album legitimately changed my life. I mean, I heard that record and hunted Mike down. So it legitimately changed my life. And so I was the one that, uh, I was home when the records got here the other day and Mike sent me a text message and he's like, did you open them? And I'm like, no, I'm waiting for you. And he's like, no, open them. (laughs) I opened them and like, just seeing that record and how beautiful it was, like, I was overwhelmed with emotion. Like, I've, I don't think that I've ever had that response to something that we've released. I mean, of course you're always excited, but just seeing that record and it was so beautiful. Like, it's so beautiful. It's the prettiest record, both of both versions of it. And just the feel of it, like the cover is like this beautiful velvety matte. It's so beautiful. And then we listen to it and I'm just like, it's it's like you transport back to that moment when I first heard it and how it impacted my life. You know what I mean? It
0: changed your life. I mean, look what happened. Completely,
1: completely. I mean, there's another human being alive because of that record.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah, that you record,
1: know, bond Life. Just, so it's just so crazy, and like, the whole experience with avant-garde records has been unbelievably fantastic, and like, I'm, we're super stoked about the next record coming up that's going to be here in like a couple of weeks, yeah. and it's just, it's such a, it's such a cool thing, you know, especially this late in the career, I mean, Mike's been doing music since the late, 70s early 80s <laughs> yeah and you know here we are closer to retirement than being children so it's kind of like at this stage everything is just a bonus you know
0: sure you guys are creators you're never going to stop creating it's just awesome you're yeah. able to put that energy into into your, your music and your album
1: it's super cool it's so how did cool. they come on your
0: radar how do they how did, how did you guys hook up
1: So Roberto at avant-garde has been writing to Mike for literally years saying, please let me put that out on vinyl. And Mike (laughs) was always like, maybe, maybe it's not the time. Yeah, Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Someday, someday, someday. And so like every periodically he would send us an email and say, Hey. And so this last time he sent Mike a message and he's like, I know you're probably going to say no but i'm offering it again do you want to do the record and mike's like yes
0: he's like yeah <laughs> why like, not man
1: and like literally three weeks later like the whole thing was like set and ready to go and it just they're fantastic such it's been such a dream like i don't want to go into the history and like the politics of the past and whatever but it's been so nice to work with people who just like the music they're not negative. Like there's nothing negative about it. There's nothing like, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna go into it, but just, they're just super positive people and like very professional and very like supportive. And so it's really, really nice to have that, especially again, so late in the career, you know, it's like, it's just, it's such a nice. and we've had good experiences. We had a really fantastic experience with Circle Social And handmade birds and silver records and stuff so we've had good experiences but it's just such a nice refreshing Like we don't even have to do anything like
0: that's the best part,
1: they have their art department and like the PR people and like we it's just kind of so easy, like it's, there's such great people, so forever indebted and grateful to this whole experience. I was, uh,
0: I was really, I, I wasn't shocked, but I was like a holy shit moment when I saw the announcement with you, you guys got, you know, their help, they're putting your album out.
1: Yeah.
0: Love that label, you know, doom is one of my favorite, favorite genres, and, you know, black metal and everything else in between, and they specialize in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I was like, man, they're on, they're going to be on that label. Man, that's fucking awesome. I know,
1: it's really strange. Yeah, it's, it's when the whole metal thing started connecting for us, like, because of Peter. I mean, there's no question about
0: it. Sure.
1: I remember we lived in Streetsboro, Ohio, and we were in the gas station or whatever. And you know how back in the day, like, everywhere had, like, a magazine rack, and they'd have a couple of pieces oh, yeah. of magazines. And I remember we were in and we would always go try to see if we could find a review. Cause back in the day, magazines had reviews. And I remember we picked up, I think, I want to say it was either rip or metal edge. One of those record magazine, one of those magazines. And we flipped through and there was like a, a review of Lycia in there. And we're <laughs> like, this is bizarre. Like it was weird, you know? And then of course we did the typo thing. And like, then we find out like, um, one of the guys from ancient was like a Lycia, he liked Lycia and like had contacted project. And so he would like talk to Mike on the phone every so often. So apparently I guess Lycia is doomy enough to appeal to people also in the metal. So it's like, it was really strange at first, but like now it's like, well, it makes sense because it's the same sort of aesthetic and, um, vibe i guess you know yeah the
0: aesthetic the vibe the atmosphere it's all there you just don't yeah. have blast beats and crazy stuff and they can just <laughs> yes <play those> <laughs> you know <Yeah>.
1: so.
0: <laughs> if you go that route let me know
1: <laughs> there's a heavier song on the new record
0: i can't i can't wait i'm still looking forward to yeah. that it's fun um, are they gonna i don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I deleted all my social media apps not the accounts but um I'm just. I need a break from that mess, man. I want to live in the real world. Yeah. Are they doing pre-order soon? Are they already out? Or how?
1: So the new record. Are you talking about Ionia or the new one? No, no, no. The
0: new album. The new album. The
1: new one. So I don't. I'm not sure. I think. I think in June, towards the beginning of June, that one's going to be. Yeah. So um, I'll probably. I mean, I assume we're probably going to start getting posts about it soon, because it's not far away.
0: Oh, yeah, it's not. So, yeah. If that.
1: It's coming up, so time is slipping well, by so fast.
0: Hopefully they, uh, like, do some merch bundles and stuff, too. I'd totally love to get to get all that stuff. Yeah,
1: that'd be cool. Yeah. Some shirts. Well, he, they're putting it out on vinyl and mini-disc.
0: Mini-disc?
1: Mini-disc.
0: Wow. Yes.
1: How cool that, is that's that? That's, like, the
0: ultimate collector right there.
1: Yeah, super cool. So, yeah. How do you
0: even listen to those? Through a computer?
1: I don't know. i don't i know one thing do not try to listen to it in your car because i made that mistake uh in fact it was timothy renner that i was talking about earlier sent me a mini disc of stone breath like years and years ago and me not knowing any better put it in the hold on
0: (laughs) excuse me (laughs) bless you
1: i put it in the cd player in the car and couldn't get it out and I had to take my car and it would cost me like 500 bucks or something to, yeah, it was ridiculous. So don't play it in your in your car, but I think a regular <laughs> CD player will work.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I remember um, in the old days, they, the CD, the CD trays would come out and then you can put yes. CD, but they had like a little thing for the little yeah. dip. I have, to, I have to check it out to get that.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be cool. I can't wait because I mean, gosh, I haven't seen a mini disc since I wrecked my car.
0: <laughs> now I want. Now, are you guys ever going to play live or tour on this, or is just kind of record and and get it out there and do your own thing?
1: That's forever the question. It's one of those things that we would love to do, but logistically, sure, sure. It, it's you know, we both have full time jobs. We have a nine year old. Yep. There's health issues involved. There's social anxiety, nerves, all that kind of stuff. So it's one of those things that we talk about and torture ourselves about all the time. So I wanna say (laughs) but I don't know. Like we're always like, God, we we never got to go to Europe when we actually toured. I'm like, it would be so nice to finally get to go to Europe and like play some shows over there, but I don't know it's possible at least
0: it's not a concrete no i'll take that yeah
1: i i i'm not going to do concrete nose anymore because again like we talk about it all the time like wouldn't it be fun to do that and then we're like yes but would it i don't know you know we'll see it <laughs> could happen put,
0: put dirk to work and have him sell your merch and stuff I no
1: kidding no I, he could play <laughs> keyboard he taught himself how to play um do you know that shin godzilla do you know that movie it's shin godzilla i don't know if that's the official name of the
0: movie i'm not familiar with it though
1: but he's obsessed with godzilla again so he watched (laughs) that movie earlier and he went and taught himself the theme song on the keyboard
0: well i mean look who his parents are i mean he he has the the gift you know i'm just
1: like we could train him and have him play
0: (laughs) yeah there you you go (laughs)
1: that'd be cool
0: he can make his allowance by touring with mom and dad. <laughs>
1: Aww, how cute.
0: So that's a couple of my bucket list items. And, and we've, in and the different bands I've been in through the years, is to play overseas. But for the same exact- yeah. reasons that you said, full-time jobs, mm-hmm. logistics, it's difficult to take a whole band, equipment, fly overseas and play. Yeah. I play in Europe. But my number one place, I want to play in Japan. Cool place to play. um I've always loved Japanese culture. Um, I train judo, Japanese martial art. That's
1: I, cool. I just,
0: I, I tap into all that, and I love it so much. And the people, the the Japanese people, they are so into the style that we play. They apps, they go bonkers over it. Um, a couple of my bands, you know, they sold out of pressings over there. I mean, granted, they're only like a 100, 100 copies for little little. Still though. I'm like, man, that's really cool. That's a hundred people that listen to our stuff that can't even speak our language or, you know, are not native English speakers. 15,000 miles across the globe vibing out to something I wrote in my damn garage, you know, (laughs) like it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And um, we, one of the bands I was in, we did a, uh, an interview for a Japanese zine, like a four page interview, like,
1: that's awesome.
0: And like all, you know, writing guy, type pages of stuff out and they publish every word of it. And I was just like, man, it's it's a good feeling. So I want to go over there and present that. Uh, one of my best friends of all time, his name is Masa. He's from Osaka, Japan. He lives in Brooklyn. Now he, he started out, he worked as like on Eminem's tour doing something. He was really involved with me. He loves music. So he left Japan to come here to be involved in it. And of course, i style too. And I met him, we played a show up in Long Island. Um, And he came up to me, you know, in broken English at the time. He was still learning. He was just like, I I was just blown away. I mean, it was incredible. And I'm thinking, wow, man, I'm so happy that you came out. Thanks for coming. Here's a shirt. Awesome. And then ever since then, like, we're good friends. He brings, he books all of our bands. They love the Pittsburgh style. The Pittsburgh has a very unique style in hardcore. Uh, They love that. So we always go up there. Everyone knows who it is. He's just a good guy. My son calls him Uncle Massa oh just a really good cool guy but we also talk about japanese culture a lot because he he's the source you know right um so yeah that's why japan's my number one and then you would be cool yeah but who knows I tell you,
1: south america though too like we went to mexico we played mexico city uh in the 90s and such a fantastic experience like the people are so genuine and supportive, and like, so yeah, we would like to play like Brazil and Colombia and Chile and you know Mexico again. Just there's so many good people in this world, and and it would be nice not to even not to even just go play the show, but to be able to just go and like be with them, you know? Yeah, would I, be awesome.
0: It's a it's a treasure. It's for a lot of those people. It's like a once in a lifetime thing, you know. They get to see this awesome band from, you know, from America. They're coming yeah. all down here. They're good, you know. I that's I I like that. I haven't experienced that in person, but like I mentioned with Japan and Europe, people emailing us and saying, "Hey man, do you guys have a shirt in this size or whatever?" And um, the Japanese people, they always want you know small and mediums, and what if they want small and mediums to fit them, or they want like triple X so they can be like the right. Hit type and we never have those sizes because no one here buys a shit and it's either like larger xl or 2x that's like that's it yeah
1: it's
0: a good problem you
1: know what don't you find also that americans are so jaded and bored with everything like i i feel like i feel like other cultures appreciate things in a different way like, in America, it's just like, oh, I'm not going to go see them. They'll be back in three months anyways. Or, or like, they come to the show because it's, like, the thing to do. But they're standing there talking the entire time. They could, It could be anybody on stage. Like, they really couldn't care less. But, like, I feel, like, in Mexico, it was so, like, you were something. Like, you, I'm here to see you. Like, and they're giving you their attention. They're supporting you.
0: They want to be entertained I, and I hear, by you.
1: Well, and I hear Europe is the same way. Like, it's like, they're there to listen to your music. It's not there to be cool. They're there to like, see these people make this music. And I think, I feel like Americans are just bored and like, Eh, whatever i mean i'm generalizing obviously not everybody oh no, yeah this way. but i mean in my experience touring around the united states it is it was kind of just like you had the people that were there for the show and then there was the people there that are just like eh, there's nothing else to do whatever like uh eh, whatever like eh, <laughs> you know what i mean It's just
0: they it's go to the different. show to see who's at the show not the band
1: yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's our culture in general. Everything is just sort of disposable and like <laughs> everybody here, we're so spoiled in this country. Like I, I feel like everybody's just so like nonplussed by everything, you know, like, eh, I'm super into this today. And then I'm going to throw it away and be into something else tomorrow and then throw that away and then be into something else and then throw that away. And it's like, I feel like other places in the world aren't quite as disregarding of things, I guess. I don't know. Oh,
0: sure. You know, this is kind of cliche to say or whatever, but it's like, hey, if there's not a damn Starbucks on the way to the show or some kind of vegan cafeteria, I ain't going. I'm like, dude, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean,
1: it- I feel that's the exact... Like, if it's even slightly inconveniencing, you know...
0: we we would drive we drive hours to go to shows you know uh there's this big pool every year before covid called this is hardcore where all the band all the top bands in the in the country come and play that's a four and a half hour drive i was there you know i want to drive like i would drive five six hours to go see a band i want to see you know i will do that
1: i do think that metal fans are super passionate about Van music. Oh, we are.
0: (laughs) We are.
1: I I definitely, like, it's one of the things that's sort of refreshing to us because, you know, and I I don't mean to speak negatively about anything, just Oh, sure. Our experience was that when we toured in the 90s, it was like people were there to be cool and be part of a scene and didn't, and the music was just sort of secondary. Like, they're really there to hang out with their friends and like, look how cool my outfit is and
0: background music.
1: And then we were just distracting because they wanted to like look at themselves in the mirror. I don't know, but I feel like with metal, it's a little bit more definitely appreciative of the music, but I'm, oh, I'm yeah. also not, you know, I'm not super well versed on all of it either. So I could just be
0: no, you're right. Weird yeah, it's the same kind of dynamic in just about any genre. But, um, you know, we love our metal. And it w- with metal, basically that just means that there's a distorted guitar and real heavy drums and bass because there is hundreds of types of it. You know, right. hundreds and hundreds of types of it. And I'll tell you what, Europe, especially Finland, Sweden, Scandinavia, they get that shit right. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I've, I heard someone call Finland, like the land of metal. And you look up how many guitar players and metal bands come from that country. That's like dark half the year. I'm like, God damn, man. What, what's in that snow up there? What's, what's in that water, man? Oh shit.
1: That's fascinating what's over here.
0: Um, and a lot of American bands, even bigger ones love going over there and playing. Cause it's just like you said, they're there to see the band. They're there to see the show. They want to headbang and mosh and all that yeah. to see Jimbo and his obituary shirt or whoever and his like you know cannibal corpse shirt like who cares man you know with us it's like oh I like that album dude I remember when that came out you know it's yeah, yeah that's why I want to go to Europe too but uh yeah it's it's kind of I hate to say like honor among thieves because there's no like thievery but it's just kind of like there's a commercial that's out there like when you see a metal dude sees another guy in a store with a metal shirt and you're kind of' like yeah man you know yeah
1: kind of yeah. a brevity
0: type thing and uh, that's
1: kind of how it used to be too back in the like late 80s early 90s when you know that was before like alternative was like mainstream and so if you were one of the weirdos and you were out somewhere and you saw another weirdo it was kind of like
0: yeah i got you yeah yeah
1: kind of the same thing
0: so one thing I've i've always wanted to ask you um what what was peter like what was peter like in life and poor to you guys.
1: He was so good to us. Um, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. It's a broad question.
0: I know I'm just, just curious.
1: Yeah. I mean, and obviously I can only speak from my own personal experience. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. He, um, so how, what happened was he had contacted project because somehow along the lines, he had gotten one of our records or whatever and wanted to talk to Mike and so projects hooked him up with Mike and you know they just had like sort of a casual conversation and then he wanted us to come do a show with them and so it was some like metal festival in Toledo Ohio and so we were going to do it and this was the first time we met them so we show up and it's funny, we always tell this story because they had like three tour buses at the time. And then there was like a whole bunch of other bands there that all had like buses or big bands and stuff. And we pulled up in our little Geo Storm. Right? <laughs> and so we were going to do this show and like we were going to go on like right before them. So there's all these metal bands all day. And then it was like us and then Typo <laughs> Negative, right? And so a bunch of shit happened and like our sound guy didn't show up and like they didn't have any, I think they didn't have any, um, they didn't have any stage monitors. Well, we're an electronic band. We have to have stage monitors. So there was like all this, we couldn't do the show. We ended up not being, it was like the first show we ever had to cancel, but we hung out with Peter and he was like super gracious, you know, just such a, so nice. And so we ended up not being able to play that show. And then a couple months later, he was like, "Well, do you guys want to come do this Halloween tour?" And so we're like, "Yeah." Like, but damn, at, that's yeah, a dream right so there. It was crazy. So at the time, um, Dave Gallus didn't want to play live anymore. So it was just Mike and I, and I played keyboards and he did everything else. So we show up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we show up. Uh, the first night was in New Haven, Connecticut. I believe and we show up and like we don't know what to expect like the only shows we had played like was our tours so we were used to like not being yelled at (laughs) by people so it was really shocking um because the crowd did to say they didn't like us is being too nice Mm. and peter was so like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry like Very apologetic about it. We're like, you know, it's just part of it. Like we're paying our dues. It's no big deal. Like whatever. And, but the whole tour, like he was just so super nice to us, very supportive. And of course the other guys are fantastic. They're all so nice. That first tour, like I was scared of Josh. I was afraid of him because he's very like stoic. I'm sure you get that. Like, and so, and like, we're, and like, we kind of just kept to ourselves and stuff. I mean, the whole time we were kind of like fish out of water anyway. Cause the whole metal thing and like people hate us and are trying to kill us and, uh, oh. <laughs> and so um and josh is very stoic and and so like i just left him alone and was like scared of him or whatever and, but everybody else is like super fantastic and so that whole tour happened and it was great and um and then it ended and like every once in a while peter would call mike just to talk and like, they actually were gonna do another project. They were actually gonna do a project together. They were like, oh, laying plants that I, I know, I know. And, but they, he wanted to do a project with Mike. They were vaguely, vaguely talking about it. And then just, uh, we were asked to do another tour. And then that's when Mike got sick. So everything kind of fell apart at that point. And like Mike's mom and, and Peter's dad died like right at the same time, like ish. So like he was going through his stuff and like Mike was going through his stuff because he just had di- been diagnosed with diabetes and his mother passed away. Type two.
0: I got it, man. I know.
1: He has type one. So he was he's late onset type one, but they thought he was a type two because of his age. So sure. he was actually misdiagnosed and nearly died. Like at one point, he weighed 112 pounds. Like, oh my god! And he's six foot one, so you can imagine.
0: Oh man, what,
1: what he looked like. But anyway, um, so they we kind of just lost touch, but I always kept in touch with him. But like I always sent him letters and sent him our new releases when they came out and all that kind of stuff. So I, we kept that sort of connection with him and everything. Sure. And every once in a while, he'd call and. So um fast forward we moved out here in 2001 and I became friends with Josh on MySpace. And so Josh and I talked a little bit, you know, we communicated a bit on MySpace and stuff and he um asked me if I wanted to do vocals on this song and I'm like hell yeah. So I did vocals I on this song the and it is. never it never got released. That song never got released. Oh shit. So yeah, so there's a song out there floating around in his archives um, that I did vocals for for a project, and it's not my place to talk about it, so I'm not gonna talk about it. but um, yep. so but we we were friends, but like I hadn't talked to Peter in a long time. Like we hadn't talked to Peter in like forever. And then uh, they were working on that album, and he's like, Josh was like, hey, do you want to do vocals on this typo song?" And I'm like,, uh, yeah.
0: You're like, why are you asking, man? Just tell me when to show up. Of
1: course, right? So um, I did the vocals. uh, It's funny. People are like, what was it like being in the studio with them? I'm like, I don't know. I was never in the studio with them. I recorded vocals in my bedroom, in the closet. (laughs) And we literally, AOL Instant Messenger, I sat there and chatted with Josh, sent him the file through uh, Instant Message uh, or through AOL as we chatted and that was it, but <laughs> Peter was so nice. Like after I did the vocals and stuff, he called one night and was like, you know, talk to me for like nine hours or something. I talked to him on the phone. Like he called it like, I want to say like six o'clock at night and didn't get off the phone with him until like the sun was coming up. So, but it, it was, he's just was so always so, so, so nice to us and um, Got to play, I did get to do that song live with them. Um, the tour they did for that record. Um, again, Josh was like, hey, do you want to come perform this song live with us tonight? I'm like, yes, scared, <laughs> scared to death, but yes. Cause I at that point, Lycia hadn't played a show in years. So this was like my first comeback from like, you know, doing anything. And it's going to be with type o negative.
0: Well, you're coming um, back big, man. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was crazy. Well, and it was, I said, I always joke. I'm like, it was nice to be on their stage and not be getting screamed at and like th- stuff thrown at me. <laughs> but yeah, he was just, he was super nice. And like, we always laugh because like on that tour, the Halloween tour that we did with them, You know, we would show up every night, and he would. uh, Peter would always be like, "Can I make you a sandwich?" Like he was (laughs) so. Like, but that's the kind of person he was. He was very gracious and like wanted to take care of us. Can I get you something to drink? Do you want a sandwich? Like everything was very. Like he was like his mama taught him right, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, he was just such a sweet guy, and to us, I mean, I again, this is my experience. From what I understand, he's like that with everybody, but. Um, he was just very sweet to us, and, um, yeah, I was sort of, it's still hard to imagine that he's not here, like, I uh, know, it's, and it's been, what, 10 years now? It's been a long time.
0: The, you know, of course, our heroes and musicians, you know, pass on, but...
1: Too early, though, for him.
0: His passing and Dimebag Daryl's passing are yeah. two, just really... I guess hit me harder than I thought because these guys are my fucking heroes. Like my, yeah. heroes. they're my supermen, and they're not here anymore. But
1: yeah, I know it's,
0: sure You get asked that a million times, but I I had to. I was just curious. I love hearing those. At least you
1: didn't ask me what he smelled like because I've had people ask me what he smelled like before, and I'm like, I don't know, a person, I don't
0: know. I mean, I'm not. Uh, you know <laughs> <Matt>. <laughs> What did he smell like? He smelled
1: like yeah, a dude. Man. I don't know. But um, yeah, he he was really good to us and really kind. And I mean, because he had, I mean, because he talked about us enough, that's a whole huge chunk of the people that follow us are directly as a result of him talking about Lycia. So like he did more, I feel like he did more press for us than our record label, <laughs> you know, at the time. It sounds but, like it he just he was really really a nice guy i'm super sad that um obviously that he's gone i'm super sad that him and mike never got to do that project together because so i wow. can't even fucking imagine how amazing that would have been
0: oh man that, that kind of gave me goosebumps when you said that because
1: being a typo fan and being a lycia fan that's what I'm i was saying. a lycia fan before i was in the band I just, I can't even fathom how cool that would have been. And they were actually talking of like, it wasn't too terribly long before he died that they had had another conversation about it. So
0: it probably would have come out in the woodwork a few years later. At some
1: point, at some point it would have happened, but it's super sad. You know, it's so weird to like, it's like it feels like he's not really gone because people I mean he's still just as present I feel like you know people still talk about him people still post about him obsessively
0: (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) he's
1: but it's just it's weird to think like we're never going to see that band again yeah you know they're never going to come through town again there's never going to be another record it's just hard to like when someone's that big and he's big in every way like oh sure personality, size, everything. Like, how, how are you just, you know, like, how are you just gone? You know,
0: that's, that's one of the sad parts about life. You know, I
1: remember getting that text message. I, it was getting ready to go to bed and I get this text message and and it says, is it true? And I'm like, what is Peter really dead? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, and then I immediately got back online and you know saw, oh my god, he really is dead. It's not a joke this time, he's really gone, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, awful. So it was yeah. funny too because um I didn't we didn't really know anything about typo negative um when he initially contacted us. And then, excuse me, I had remembered that. I had actually seen them open for The Exploited and Biohazard in like, I want to say 1991. God, that'd be an
0: awesome show. Yeah, well,
1: and I I mean, we didn't know who they were. Sure. (laughs) That was like, that was their first tour. I mean, we were there to see The Exploited. Like I didn't know who Biohazard was either, but because we were Exploited fans, I was there to watch Exploited and um, And it's so funny because I can distinctly remember when Typo was playing, saying to my friend, God, they're all really tall and they have really long hair. Like that was my takeaway from, and they had matching necklaces. I remember they all had that Typo circle like necklace thing or whatever. And so that that was my takeaway from it is I distinctly remember turning to my friend and go, Holy shit these guys are super tall and like all have really long hair and they have matching necklaces. And then that was it. I never thought about it again. And then when we were touring with them, I said I remember one that I, I think I said I might have said it to Josh. I might have actually talked to him. And I, <laughs> I remember I remember saying um I saw you guys playing Cleveland and he, and his answer was "I'm sorry." <laughs> That's Josh. Oh, He's such a, sweet, he's such a sweetheart though. But it's funny cause he's the one I mostly talk to now, but back, I was, cause he would walk around with his hood up and like, he just looked like, don't fuck, like, just leave me alone. Like, leave me alone. Even though I'm sure that's not what he was thinking necessarily, but it was just like, okay, I'll just walk over here. Plus I'm like five foot two and they're all like giants <laughs> and I'm man. a girl and like was in this situation where like skinheads are like spitting on me and like throwing bottles at me while i'm on stage and i'm like oh but nevertheless it was it was quite an adventure <laughs> uh,
0: sure. and you have all those memories to keep and you're right his memories he lives on for he sure on. you know um i attribute a lot of my I, those albums got me through a lot of shit yeah um yeah. So I want to ask you, so this, this podcast, what, what made you want to start doing it? Just, uh, just talk to people, writing people or
1: just, yeah, you know, it's funny because, um, so my friend Timothy has this podcast, the strange familiars podcast, and then yeah. my friends candy and Susie do their podcast Two women left unsupervised. <laughs> and I was just kind of joking around, like, cause they do all this research on their like before they do their podcast do all this research and like they you know they just they they put a lot into it there's they edit everything like it's all professional you know they've got yeah like they've got good sound equipment you know and it's all like you know whatever and i jokingly was like you know what i'm just gonna do a sound a, a, a podcast and like do nothing I'm not gonna edit it. I'm not gonna have good equipment. I'm not gonna have good lighting. I'm not gonna do any research at all. I don't wanna know anything about anything. And I want the person to just talk about whatever they wanna talk about. I don't care what it is. And I'm not doing any research about what they wanna talk about. They're gonna have to tell me and we're just gonna have a conversation. And so it kind of started off as like a joke. And then because, I mean, it's still to me is a joke really. I'm not a, po- this is ridiculous. I'm just literally just chilling on Zoom. Like it's not a podcast, but um, <laughs> it, it just, it's been really fun. And I think it's sort of like a weird, because like you said about the whole COVID thing, like we can't go out anywhere. We don't socialize. I've already worked for home for like nine years. So, but I still had to go into the office like once every quarter. So I would still see human beings, you know, once in a while. Yeah. And so it, it kind of has just been this sort of fun um connection to people and like talking to people that I probably would never really talk to otherwise, the Avid, because it's not the same chatting back and forth on comments, you know. You
0: this you can't yeah. see the body language, the voice. Right.
1: right. Yeah. And like, you know, you don't get to know people that well. You know I didn't know that you were an engineer, or, you know, a math math genius <laughs> and like engineer and like all this and that you did all these amazing things like with pride and yeah teaching children and all this stuff. Like I never would have known that, you know.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's it's not like those aren't some some things that I, I advertise. It's just that's just me being Jay. Right. You know, we have a chance to talk about it. You learn and I've learned a lot about you know about yourself too, and I think learning from other human beings. It's a gift, man. It's
1: just really fun. I think it's, um, I don't know. I just, and I like, I am a voyeur anyways. I'm not in a like sexual way.
0: No, no, no. Sure. sure.
1: (laughs) But like like I sit
0: back and just take it in
1: a total people watcher. I could go sit in the middle of an amusement park and just be content to watch everybody all day long. So this is sort of an extension of that in a way. Um, because I find people super interesting, as aggravating as they can be, it's it's also super fascinating, you
0: know? Sure, and it's uh, it's not common that you you know, I got a lot of friends on social media, um, you know, and, and there's some people that you just type to and make comments and just that's right. cool, but I think there's a different kind of connection when you, you we're sitting here in real time, even though you're sure. in the whole country, um, sure. just having a conversation about well, whatever,
1: yeah you
0: know? exactly and exactly. I, I like that that level of um of it being visceral like that it, it's unscripted it's just like if we're
1: exactly
0: hang- it's like we're hanging out in the damn room just like yeah, totally
1: hang-
0: but you're recording it so people could people are just watching us hang out
1: <laughs> and it's funny to me because i i i'm always like i don't know who's listening to this <laughs> like i don't know why you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's it's just kind of fun and like people can watch it or not watch it and it's fine, you know. I'm sure
0: you've met some really interesting people doing it. It's this. been
1: very cool. Like and some of the people were people that I've been connected to online for like decades and we never like my friend Sam. We we had talked on the phone once. We did a musical project together and had only talked on the phone once. <laughs> and I think I met him in 2004. And so him and my friend Candy, we they did the first one of these. And um, like that was the first time I, I ever saw them face to face like this. And it was so weird, but it is, it's just like if you were here sitting on the couch and we were having a conversation or sitting at Denny's or whatever, you know? Oh
0: yeah. You,
1: I think it's fun. Do you like coffee? I love coffee.
0: Yeah, what about tea? Are you a tea person?
1: I like tea, but it doesn't do the same thing for like it, tea, tea for me. Um is like I have to have like really black strong tea with cream and sugar in it. And um that's the speaking only my way,
0: language right now. Yeah,
1: that's the only way I like it. And I I don't know if is that a southern thing?
0: Tea, no, cream and sugar. No, it's English.
1: Well, that makes sense too.
0: Yeah, so um fuck it we're talking about tea i'll i'll i'll, I'll give you a little, little it's family.
1: totally fine
0: uh, yeah um so you know i grew up in the south but it doesn't matter where you're at i'm my grandfather when i was four he would make he called it cowboy coffee which was milk and sugar in there because we watched old westerns with it that's what we did oh so i love coffee probably son of my growth i'm you know I'm shorter guy <laughs> Um, which is okay my grandfather was short myself and my grandfather the only short ones in the family all the rest are gargantuan giants
1: oh my gosh
0: but um so uh, coffee guy my whole life caffeine junkie all that kind of thing um i had bariatric surgery back in september <gasps> wow. with the diabetes. yeah yeah so i'm down like 65 almost 70 pounds right now
1: fantastic
0: yeah yeah it's good i mean it comes it comes with its own different kind of complications sure after that uh, I was never I was never really crazy about spicy food after surgery I can't get enough of it. I'm just like put it in my face. I Does it care.
1: hurt your tummy? Um no Wow
0: it I, I can't explain it but coffee gives me such bad heartburn mm. So it's
1: very acidic.
0: yes, I've always been a a tea tipper, you know, mostly with herbal teas, you know mm-hmm. but I like black tea and I was looking up different recipes. I wanted to try something different and English style. I'm like tea with milk and sugar. I don't know if I'm going to like that or not, but so I, re- good. I really like the, you know, those chai lattes and that's all. Yes. That. So I did, I, I, I started making it and I'm hooked on it. Three, four cups a day, the darker, the strongest, the best ever. So uh,
1: Irish breakfast tea. <coughs> Excuse me again. Oh my God allergies are horrible today irish breakfast tea is to me the best tasting and the scottish one also yes so freaking good and i think so good i maybe it's the hillbilly in us because my mom that's like my mom would always like i guess on cold days or if i had like a stomach ache or whatever she would make me a cup of tea with cream and sugar in it and so that's like the only way I really like it. I do like um, unsweetened green tea um, but that's it has, good too. but it can only be I only like that pure leaf brand that's the only one I've <laughs> ever drank that I actually like um, and their their tea their unsweetened black tea is really good too but in the like in the bottles or whatever yeah, yeah, pure, yeah, yeah. pure leaf I like those a lot but yeah hot uh, Irish breakfast tea with, with cream and sugar. So delicious. I but love it. It, I'm still like, it doesn't, that's a whole different vibe for me than coffee. So, sure. and my coffee is also stupid. Like I have to have, like, I can't just drink black coffee and I've gotten so like frou-frou now. <laughs> that I can't even just drink like black coffee with cream and sugar. It has to be like my drink of choice now is um, we have this place called Black Rock and it's right across the street. It's like a Starbucks but it's a smaller chain and their coffee is about a thousand times better. But wow. they have this. They currently one of their current flavors is orchata, and so I go and I get a a, a large iced orchata breve. And it's it's basically iced coffee with horchata flavor and extra cream. That's essentially what it is. What's horchata? Oh my god. Horchata What's that? is so horchata is a Mexican drink. It's a it's a Mexican rice with cinnamon. Oh my God. It's oh so shit, good. that
0: sounds amazing.
1: It's so good. Yes. Orchada is delicious. It's like it's a drink that's made from rice. And maybe mm. it has vanilla in it. But let me tell you what it tastes like. Is me growing up, my grandma made this and my mom made it for breakfast. They would cook white rice with milk and sugar and then sprinkle cinnamon. That's exactly what it tastes like in a drink. So, all the it's, same shit. Yeah. That might be a West Virginia hillbilly thing, also the rice, I don't and know, <laughs> cream and sugar. But oh my God, this horchata brevet is so, like, in fact, I'm like, I wish I, I should go right now and go get one. It's probably closed, <laughs> but no That's it's not that I, um,
0: light
1: yeah it's not yeah. that light but yeah it's so good and like um so like I'd ever, I never I am spoiled rotten because this place is right across the street and their coffee like they also have Mexican mocha which is like mocha with cinnamon and oh my god their coffee is so freaking good black and but I think it's just a West Coast thing, or like, like, um, not. I don't even think it's a whole West Coast thing. I think it's just a couple states over here. Um, I think it originated in Colorado. Okay. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. All I know is their fucking coffee is delicious.
0: <laughs> That's all that matters, man. Yes.
1: But yeah, I can't just drink like you know a, a cup of coffee with cream and sugar anymore. It has to be fancy and i do still like dunkin donuts but their quality of their coffee has drastically decreased
0: i love the donuts i shouldn't eat them but yeah the coffee no it
1: it's really it's not as good as it used to be
0: so one thing i've i love to do random research on just random crap so i'll sit drinking my tea one day and i was like so what are the differences between english breakfast tea irish breakfast tea and scottish breakfast tea So I'll look it up. So, you know, back in the 1800s or whatever, um, well, even before that, like the 1700s when British had the colonies and whatnot, they got introduced to tea. Well, a lot of the tea that the Chinese have are Chinese-based, or the the English have are Chinese-based. Okay. They, uh, England, you know, they had Hong Kong and all that kind of stuff, and they would ship it all back. Well, the Boxer War started and there was a conflict between China and England so they didn't have those resources anymore. So, But they still had a massive stockpile of all this tea from China. So that's what the English preferred, English breakfast tea, different kind of blends from China. So they, they were moving to West, obviously England had control of India, that was a colony. Mm-hmm. Same kind of climate, but different types of tea, like Assam, all kind of other ones. So they went from the transition of the English style Now you have this stronger type mix. And it would go up from India and go all the way up. And you know, they would stop in Ireland, port in Ireland. And they loved that particular at that point in time when there was ports in Ireland, it was that blend from India and China together. So it's a little bit stronger, but not quite as you know, weak as the the English coffee. So the Irish adapted to that one. That's what they preferred was that particular blend. Time goes on. They have um, tea farms in like Sri Lanka and all those other kind of countries over there. And they took the Chinese tea, the Indian tea, and the Sri Lankan tea and mix it all together, right? So the ships would go up to Scotland because it's cold, deep water, and that's where they would port. Now, the way they do it, the water in Scotland, or at the time at least, um, had a high salt content in it. So you had to really steep your tea to get that flavor and kind of counteract that saltiness. So that's why typically Scottish tea not only does it have all the different blends from different countries, they have to brew it stronger to overcome that saltiness in the water. So that's why yeah so you have English, Irish, and Scottish. They all, I mean they all taste the same, it's, it, it's just minor inflections in strength, but uh Totally random, useless knowledge, but uh, yeah, that's that's the difference between the tea. Now, anyone watching this, if I fucked up, please let me know, but that's that's my interpretation of uh, Wikipedia, so.
1: Yeah, but well, that's interesting. Irish is definitely my favorite, but um, yeah, that's funny. And you know what's funny too, is when I make it, I always put two bags in, because I like it really
0: dark. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If it's English, I'll go three because I like Irish, too, Scottish, usually one, maybe maybe two. Um, My sister went on her honeymoon to Scotland. That was her thing. Oh,
1: cool.
0: Totally jealous of. And uh, she brought me back some actual Scottish breakfast tea. I never had it before. So it was uh, loose leaf. So I make my tea and I drink it. It's like a shotgun blast in my face of caffeine. I'm like,
1: yeah, it's strong.
0: This is crazier than coffee. And I was hooked ever since. So yeah i i enjoy my tea
1: it's funny that you do the milk and sugar too because um like not that many people i know do that
0: i use splenda but mm-hmm.
1: yeah well me too i use sure sure Stevia. yeah 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 yeah
0: it's sugar to me just kind of tastes like a little bit of a funny aftertaste now after having splenda for over a decade yeah. now yeah but um so how, how long did how long do these usually go i feel i mean i don't want to like t- talk your ear off or stop you from getting your black rock
1: <laughs> no it's just one of those things that when we are like just ready to go we're just ready to go <laughs> so uh, a- most of them have been sticking around two hours okay that's cool yeah, yeah we're, we're getting yeah.
0: close to that mark
1: yeah yeah so that's funny about the tea thing so i don't know a ton about genealogy for my family but obviously, that my, both sides of my family are, are, are from West Virginia, the same area. And so the Scottish and Irish, obviously, were in Appalachia. And um, doing a little bit of digging into my family tree and stuff, I do see that there's like a bunch of um, English, Irish, and Scottish in my tree. And I guess like my, so my mom's side of the family are Robies, R-O-B-Y. Okay. And at one point, I want to say that I found a town or something in Scotland with that name or something. So I think that, yeah, I think that it makes weird sense that, you know, I like Irish and Scottish tea.
0: <laughs> it's in our genetics. I mean, it's <laughs> genetics. <DNA>
1: programmed.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it is. It's almost like, you know, and this may sound weird, but when I watch movies like Braveheart or Far and Away and things like that, it's like, I have a subtle calling. Like, man, I, I kind of relate. to.
1: Like that. it feels familiar.
0: Yes. It's like, yeah. I've, maybe not William Wallace, but like right. time period. Like I feel at one point in some time in life or many lives, if, if you believe in that, that I was burned at the stake. Hmm. I have a, I've always had a terror of fire. I was, anything hot. Now, as I've developed spiritually and mentally, I've, I've come to embrace that element, but I feel, you know, I've always had this aversion to it. And I think maybe at some point in time, they tied my ass up to a stake and lit me on fire or something. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't, we really don't know, but we, I find that interesting too, because so... On Instagram, there's a couple different accounts that I follow where they're like sort of travel, um, sort of a tr- like travel vacation channels. For um, one is for Switzerland, one is for France, and another one is for Italy. And those are like the three places that I'm I feel really super drawn to, as far as, I mean that I found on there. I mean, there's probably a million, probably a Scottish one and whatever. I just haven't <laughs> yeah. found it yet. But um, so. I'm especially overwhelmed by how insanely beautiful Switzerland is, right? And so yes. the other, and I don't talk about like it's not like I sit around thinking about Switzerland or talking about Switzerland or whatever. I just happen to see these posts and I'm like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And this I shared
0: exists. Yeah, it, it, it
1: looks literally looks like a fairy tale. And I sent this little short video thing to my mom. And not having ever talked about this ever. And she writes me back and she's like that's so funny she goes when i was in school learning about geography that's the one place i always wanted to visit never she's never expressed anything about wanting to go there ever never mentioned a single thing about switzerland yada 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 and i just thought that it was interesting that both of us were sort of weirdly drawn to the same place and i'm like you know is there something to that in our genetics like was there you know who knows but
0: it may not be genetic it may be something part of that element that science hasn't defined yet
1: right like some weird there was a- some weird and it's like that with italy for me too like ever since i was a wee tiny little kid you know watching those old movies you know with the gladiators and the all that stuff. Like I always felt weirdly drawn to Italy. I always, and I I remember telling people when I was little, I should have been born Italian, but I don't have any Italian anywhere in my genetics at all. Not even 1%, like nothing. And I have so zero
0: it, Japanese and I want to go to Japan. Right.
1: It's, it's just interesting. Like what, what in our programming draws us to certain things, you know? Cause I oh, feel yeah. like that with like, um, Teotihuacan, uh, I couldn't be farther from, you know, having grown up in a rural little place in Ohio and then just being completely fascinated by that whole civilization. Uh, You know, I took Spanish in school, you know, for four years or whatever, and just being completely drawn to like Teotihuacan and the mystery of that whole, like they don't even know who built it. You know, it's so old they have no idea where it came from.
0: And, oh my God, I, I could I could totally pull a Peter Still and talk to eight o'clock in the morning about that kind of stuff, man.
1: It's fascinating. Uh,
0: it is, but coming back to that, that spiritual element, my laptop is going to die here in a few oh, minutes. Oh, okay. Perfect, perfect timing, actually. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about that. So, um, we have a our dog was eighteen. He recently passed away, and. Oh. Um, we were at my uh, mother-in-law's house talking about different animals, different old dogs that we had. And my son's in there playing and jibbling gib- and javelin. And he stops and he goes, hey, I used to have a dog. And we're like, okay, we know that. What was his name? And he said, Chica. I was like, Chica? And my mother-in-law and my and my wife just went white. They just froze up. That was, it had been his great-grandmother's dog like 20 years ago
1: i have goosebumps
0: all over no seriously he is connected i, d- I never heard of it I- i'm thinking maybe he's just making some funny names because we're always doing that right then, Like i was like what what's the big deal they're like that was grandma's dog was chica so he talks to them he told me the other night check this out um, our dog Bo passed away and my grandmother who he called granny he said daddy I had a dream last night. I said, Was it about the gray cat? Because the gray cat's always like that's his monster or whatever getting him. He's like, No, daddy. Granny was holding bow. I'm like, okay. My wife Nikki, I told her that. She went white as a ghost. She said, I had the same fucking dream. I said, What? Y'all are blowing my mind over here, man. So those are just like two anecdotes. I love that. See, I
1: hope I not every person I know that dies does this happen to, but it's happened enough to where there's definitely something to it. Starting from clear back when I was in about uh eighth grade, people that I die, I always have at least one dream shortly after they die where we're sitting in a room talking to each other. I don't, I can't remember anything that's said, but it's the same sort of formula, and I've had it about enough people and different scenarios to where there's something to it. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to define anything, whatever, but there's, no, yeah, there's that, something said, that, more.
0: That's a, that's a transcendental subject and we could talk hours on that, but yeah. there's something out there that science cannot explain and being a spiritually connected person, there's an element there. But today those conversations with my four-year-old son, prove to me man there's some shit that we can't fucking fathom yet.
1: Yeah. So I love it. I love it. Well, what a perfect thing to end on.
0: I know, right? Yeah, yeah. I have like two percent left here. So um la- again, I can't thank you enough for inviting me to your show. I hopefully hopefully I didn't bore you or talk your head. Not at
1: yet. all. This has been fantastic.
0: So I'll really. do this again sometime next time you sure. have maybe no-
1: we'll talk about transcendental
0: <laughs> let's death. do it yeah you don't have to even be recorded you get bored to want to yeah. chit chat let me know man i, I love talking so oh you're fantastic i can't wait for i can't wait for the new i see oh my god i'm so excited for that
1: i am too i can't wait either Yeah. I cannot wait
0: so um okay well you have a wonderful night oh
1: behave I'm yourself
0: go, i'm gonna go get some tea <laughs> and um i'll talk to you online
1: bye okay bye bye talk to you
0: soon okay bye bye bye